Good morning, St. Michael's. Will you stand? Lord, we are just so grateful to be gathered in your house this morning. We await with anticipation, expectation, just knowing that you are going to move in our lives. We wait for that, Lord. We just ask for peace beyond all understanding to be with us and everyone this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, 
that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you, word and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit.
sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way of our salvation. Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you, the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We could have Bethany and Spike come up here to light our Advent candle for us. We want to recognize all the work that Betty, Betty has done. <laughs> uh, recognize the work that she's done this year. She's done a fantastic job on so many of our get-togethers this year and is working still. And it's made a huge difference to me and all of us. The 50-year anniversary celebration, the trunk or treat, and the Christmas ball coming up 
everyone sign up. All these things that Betty has done such a tremendous job making it all such a great event for all of us, and we want to thank her for that. Somebody's got to grab that. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show us your mercy, O Lord. And grant us your salvation. Thank you. Children, come. <laughs> See you later, buddy. <laughs> All right, and the children are on their way. <laughs> In the way. <laughs> All right, there you are. Come up here, children. Hey, buddy. All right, if you would reach out your hands and pray with me for our precious children. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, Lord, that you have given us such great children here in our midst. We pray especially, Lord, that you would watch over them. You would keep them safe, give them courage, strength, wisdom all their days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. morning's first reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, You who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. 
Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 85. We'll read it by the half verse. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have taken away all your wrath. Restore us, O God of our salvation. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you not revive us again? Show us your mercy, Lord. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Mercy and truth have met together. Truth shall spring out of the earth. Yes. The Lord will give what is good. Righteousness will go before him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. The New Testament reading comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, 
has written to you. The word of the Lord. as we hear his holy gospel, the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. We are reading from Mark's gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise be to thee, Lord Christ.
help us to hear the words that you have to speak and the ways you want to lead us in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I got up here and looked at my notebook and I realized I forgot to write an introduction. It says intro and then stuff. So uh, I guess we're doing that part on the fly. Um, I personally have been having a wonderful Advent and I, I hope you all have as well. We had a wonderful fire night on Wednesday where God met us powerfully uh, in worship and in prayer. And I just sense that there's something that God is doing in our midst. And people were prophesying about it, uh, sharing things God had spoken with them at the fire night, that God is transforming us as a people in a particular way this season. Of course, God's job throughout all of our life is transformation. But I just want you to know there's a particular grace right now for you, wherever you're at. You're struggling with something. You know God is calling you somewhere. You know there's something that you need to be doing or changing. Give it to him in this season. He is here to help us prepare the way. And so as I talk today, that is the message. It's prepare the way of the Lord. That's what we read about in all of our readings. And I want to talk about what it means and why it matters. And in keeping with uh, the Advent season, I'm going to continue to put these winter scenes up there because we don't get any of them in our daily life. And so we get to enjoy a little bit of them on Sunday morning. Um, we're talking about John the Baptist today. And Jesus said of John the Baptist, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Then he said this really odd thing. I could stop there and say, so it's really important we talk about John the Baptist. But I had to include the second half of this verse where he says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus, you just said he's the best man who has ever been born of a woman. Raise your hand if you were not born of a woman. That includes everyone. Every man born of a woman, he's the greatest. And yet, Everyone, even the least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. What does that mean? Well, I think it is the heart of Advent, what that means. Because John, as the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, the pinnacle of Old Testament revelation, the pinnacle of God's revelation before Jesus, all he could do was point to Jesus. In fact, the entire Old Testament, the greatest part of the Old Testament is that it points, it witnesses to Jesus, the baby that's coming on Christmas morning. It all points to him. But even the least in the kingdom of heaven bears Jesus into the world. What an insane paradigm shift. So when John's saying prepare the way of the Lord, you might think, oh, let's make the manger really nice and cozy so Jesus can be born. What he's really saying is, let's make the manger inside of your heart ready to receive the Christ that is coming. That's what it means to prepare the way of the Lord. You are called not just to point to Jesus, but to bring Jesus into the world. That's the kingdom. 
So when we talk about prepare the way of the Lord, we're going to approach it from that perspective. What does it mean to prepare your heart to receive Jesus, that you might bear him to the world? There's another thing Jesus said. No one lights a lamp to put it under a bucket. So think about this. We're not only preparing the candle so that he can be the light in our heart, however you want to image that, but we're also going to remove the bucket. If you in this room are in the kingdom, then you bear Christ. So why aren't people looking at you and going, holy, it's Jesus. Because we have some buckets we got to get rid of. We've got some things in the way. So we're preparing our heart to receive him and we're preparing ourselves to shine forth. When we do the candlelit mass on Christmas Eve night, it's one of the most powerful services of our year as we all bear a candle into the room and you look out and you just see the light of Christ in all of us. That's a reality that we're acting out in the physical, but it's a reality in the spiritual every day. So let's prepare our hearts this morning. Now, what made John so able to point to Jesus? I think the clue is in Mark chapter 1, verse 6. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, ate locusts and wild honey. I mean, we kind of lose the significance of this, but if you saw John, you would not want to listen to him. You would be put off. This guy comes out of the woods and not like, you know, we have parks here. It was the, it was the wilderness. It was the desert. He comes out of there and he just starts talking to people and he's wearing a hair shirt. He's never cut his hair. So his hair is long. It's fraggly. And all he's eaten is locust and honey. So he's bare bones thin and he's walking around with a crazy fire in his eyes saying, the kingdom of God is coming. We've seen people like that. We don't tend to listen to them. But something was different about John, right? What was going on? He was not in the wilderness because he was insane. He was in the wilderness because he wanted to be as close as he possibly could to God. He was wearing a camel shirt because he knew that comfort will put you to sleep. That luxury that ease are the things that lull us into a place where we no longer hear the voice of our God, where we no longer look to him for provision because we've got it all. So he's wearing a hair shirt. It's painful. It's itchy. It's annoying. And he's eating wild honey and locusts. Guess who provides wild honey and locusts? Only one guy. That's God. He's looking only to God for his comfort only to God for his peace, only to God for his sustenance. And he did that intentionally. C.S. Lewis has a great quote talking about these things. He says, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I think about that in the context of John. Why was he able to hear this message so clearly? Because he was in pain, purposefully. He was hungry and alone. He was naked and afraid. Well, he wasn't so afraid, right? But he was putting himself in these situations for a purpose. Do you know what's insane? Putting yourself in those situations for no purpose. What's sane is going out to meet God in the wilderness and hear his voice. 
So today, I want to ask you, what could you do to be a little more like John? Please, do not wear a camel hair shirt. I, that is not what I am talking about. But I think there's one thing that I want to suggest this morning. Just thinking about the millions of things that probably get in the way of us hearing God, I think we might think a little differently about how we use technology. Maybe we could find ways to fast from technology. Practices that make us a little bit more dependent on God instead of the glowing rectangle. Things that we could do that would help us to hear, to get rid. Because you know what's happening in our world? We are being bombarded with so much noise. More, if you just measured it by data, they have, they have ways of measuring it. You know, it's like if you download a video, it's this many gigabytes of data. So in the same way, the amount of data that is being shoved at us, auditory, visual, is unprecedented in all of human history. And you're expected to listen to that wash of noise and find the signal, the meaning. What does signal means? It signifies. It means something. It matters. We're looking for the signal, which is God's word among us. We're looking for him to speak to us, not just in our Bible, but in one another and in our daily lives. He gives us opportunities to encounter him in the world, but we're so flooded with noise, we miss the signal. Like John, we need to go into the wilderness Turn your phone off for 12 hours. See how wildernessy it is, you know? It's crazy. We need to isolate ourselves a little bit. We need to experience some discomfort, some pain. I just want to suggest one to start with. And you can do whatever you want. But this is an idea that I had. What if you turned all your technology off at 8 p.m.? And you weren't allowed to turn anything back on until after you'd had, oh, let's just say your morning cup of coffee or your morning cup of tea, or your morning devotionals. You gave yourself some space before you went to sleep and before you woke up. And then maybe in those times, God might speak to you. Or you might actually hear what your wife said. Or you might connect with a friend. Or, right? We're just so tied to these things because they're comfortable, because they're easy. Let's make our lives more difficult. Seriously, we have swallowed so much technology because it's easier. Sometimes you need to intentionally make your life harder. It needs to be harder for you to sin. It needs to be harder for you to ignore people. It needs to be harder for you to just get your own way all the time. But you have to be intentional, like John, right? He wasn't crazy. He did it because he was looking to follow God's purpose in his life. I'm not just saying go out there and do the hard things because hard things are hard. I'm saying do the hard things that God will lead you to. Make some space for him to lead you to the hard things. Advent is all about preparing the way of the Lord in your life. So what was John's message? Let's go ahead and read it. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. 
Now, Mark's being a little creative here. He's actually joining two different prophetic proclamations together. It's not just Isaiah. It's also Malachi. But what is going on in this words, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. That's in both of these. Does God need you to make a way for him to show up? Not really. I mean, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. I think he can figure it out. If he wants to get somewhere, he can get somewhere. But there is one place that God has drawn a boundary around, and he will not come in unless you let him. And that's in the heart of man. Because he's given you free will. And another C.S. Lewis quote says, his felt presence. And even the smallest, most infinitesimal amount would overwhelm us. And so he limits himself. Not because he wants to keep himself from you, but because he wants you to choose him. He wants to woo you like a lover. He doesn't want to force you. So when we're talking about preparing the way of the Lord, make the crooked path straight, You don't need to go and do anything in the world to clear away so God can come down on his Rolls Royce. No, we are preparing our hearts to receive him. Because guess what? There are times when our heart, because of the way that we've been living, because of whatever we've done, we reject him. He comes knocking and we turn the other way. Or we don't hear him because of all the noise. And so we've got to open ourselves to what he will do in our lives. And that's not just the world who doesn't have him as their Lord and Savior. That's us too. We fall into this habit of doing so much that we leave God no room to invade. Now he'll get your attention. Let me say that, right? God is a good father. And your stubbornness, your laziness, your indolence, all of that... He will address you. But unless you prepared the way, you might not even see his discipline as a form of love. It might be another reason to complain and to shut the door of your heart to him. My point is the prophetic voice, prepare the way of the Lord, is for us today in our hearts. So how does John prepare the way? He baptizes for repentance and remission of sin. Though the sin is creates weeds in our hearts that strangle our ability to be sensitive to his presence. He wants to open up the doors of heaven for you. But we're so focused on us that we miss when he's trying to lead us that way. It's all about turning from those things. So let's continue to look, and I think there's some clues in here about what that would mean for us. Let's go back to Isaiah 40, where this our Old Testament was, where this prophetic word came from. Verse 3, it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Our hearts are the wilderness. Our hearts are the desert. Think about it. We get so burdened with anxieties and cares and greeds and pride and envy and all these things, and they strangle our hearts like a wilderness. And we pursue our own provision through our own strength and we end up with a desert of nothingness. You see it happen all the time. It's so stark in the world. It's impossible to miss if you're paying attention. You hear about people getting divorced 
You hear about suicide, drug usage, opioid epidemic. Whatever you do, it will lead to nothing without God. It's like saying, I'm going to be a fitness buff, but I'm drinking no water. Good luck. Even if all you did was switch to just Gatorade instead of water, there's some water in it, so there's some truth, there's some goodness, you're still probably going to die. Like you need water to live. You need God to water the desert of your heart. You need him. That's what preparing the way is about. And he continues with this, this beautiful metaphor in verse 4. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Now, these prophetic insights are so deep and so rich. So there's a million ways to talk about it. And I'm going to take it and I think a different but true direction. I know it's true. I think it's different. You may have heard this before. But think about this in the terms uh, hills, valley, rough places. I started thinking about the human brain. You look at the brain, it's, it's, it's knotted, it's, it's rough, it's round. And I know there is this insult out there. It's calling somebody smooth-brained means they're like dumb, right? Like, I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about smoothing your brain. But I do want to talk about neuroscience for a second, if I could. There's this idea that has been more and more understood in neuroscientists and neuropsychology of these neuronal pathways. Basically, these processors in your brain, they connect to one another and they find the best and shortest and strongest way to connect different processing points in your brain. And as you live and as you move, as you do things, they're like, oh, when he gets up, he goes straight to the coffee machine. Well, guess what? The path of the processor that wants coffee is connected to the path of your legs and your hands that walk to the coffee machine and turn the button and pour the cup. And you can do this so well that sometimes people can do things in the dark that they could never do uh, without light otherwise. But you're just so in it. Your body is supposed to be efficient, right? And so it's supposed to find the pathway in your brain so that things are linked, that things are married, that things go together. Think about this. You smell a nice, juicy piece of steak. That olfactory processing center is connected directly to your appetite center, and it says, I'm hungry. And it's like, I just ate five minutes ago. No, but I'm hungry. There's a neuronal pathway that is connected, right? So let me use a story to talk about what I think is going on. Because we're talking about making those uh, path, making a path for God. And so when you talk about these neuronal pathways, I think we need to make neuronal pathways for God to show up in our life. I'll talk more about this as we talk about this story. <clears throat> Imagine there's somebody who exists, and may or may not be me, who really wants to get up early and pray to God. Wants to spend some time before work. So you set your alarm for 5.30 a.m. And then for months on end, you hit the snooze button every morning at 5.30 a.m. And you wake up just before it's time for work. Imagine that could possibly happen to anybody at any point that doesn't have to be me. And over time, what happens is you've created a pathway in your brain. 
between the hearing of your 5.30 a.m. alarm and the turning off of your 5.30 a.m. alarm. And that pathway is so strong and so straight, it has smoothed the places. The valleys have been brought up. The hills have been made low. You are going to do that every time you hear the 5.30 a.m. alarm. If you practice it, it will encode itself into your brain. So think about this. There's a connection, a pathway, a highway. Now, to repent from that action, you actually have to find a way to dismantle that neuronal pathway and to create a new one. In fact, anything in your life that is a habitual sin that you tend to go to can be seen in an encoded neuronal pathway in our brain. Now, this is where I'm going to stop going down the neuroscience rabbit hole, but I want to say one thing. This is one example of how we as human beings exist in the world. But it is so much deeper than that because there are spiritual pathways, spiritual connections between us and and our sin, right? And so the, the neuronal pathway is a good illustration, but we are not machines. We are not chemical machines that only do one thing. No, we are multifaceted and labored, and there's no scientist that will ever be able to explain the complexities of our soul, our spirit, and our mind. I'm saying that right now to say what we can learn from this, though, is that our mind and our soul are so interlinked. Our mind and our spirit are so interlinked that it can teach us how to turn away from our sin. It can teach us how to repent well. Now, people have been teaching us that for thousands of years. There's much wisdom literature on how to do this. But this is a new and interesting way in my mind to remember how to create a path for God. A path that will be embodied in your brain. That's pretty awesome. In fact, everyone in this room, everyone who goes to church regularly, did you know that you're forming pathways in your brain that say Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I am looking not to myself, but to God? How awesome is that? That when the music plays, it actually activates chemistry inside of our body that's connected to our spirit that says now is the time to worship the Lord. You become what you practice. You will become what you practice. And so you've got this pathway in your brain. You want to create a new pathway, a pathway, let's say in this example, my pathway is a direct path to encountering God in the morning. It's not hitting snooze on my alarm. It's going before him and in his presence. I'm going to create that pathway. Well, there's a couple things I will suggest that, uh, from the, that will help you. First of all, realize you probably have created a pretty great path in the wrong direction. So we're going to have to unlearn that. So make it harder. Move your alarm clock to the other side of the room. All of a sudden, your brain has to form a new pathway to get from your bed to the alarm clock that's on top of the dresser across the room. That will start to interrupt your neuronal pathway. Now, guess what? You can really easily retrain your brain to just hit that snooze button once again and go right back to bed. So there may be more you need to do. Maybe instead of uh, just using an alarm, you find a friend who also wants to get up at 5.30 a.m. Or maybe you find somebody who's, uh, in my case, on the East Coast because nobody wants to get up at 5.30 a.m. But you find somebody who will call you, keep you accountable. Now, I'm focusing on this story, but there's a couple of principles that we can pull out of it. 
If you're doing something sinful, you need to put some roadblocks in the way of that pathway. You need to find a way to avoid that situation. Get the temptation out of reach. It's one of the only times in Scripture where it says, flee everywhere else. Stand. Be strong and courageous. Wait on the Lord. You see temptation? You flee. You get that pathway interrupted. Do what you need to do. And secondly, God built us for each other. Get some accountability in your life. I would not be the man I am today if I didn't have lots of people who felt very free telling me all the ways that I did things wrong. Truly. Accountability is a part of God's plan for salvation in your life. And then, of course, this is why the message of John resonated with so many people. The Holy Spirit was speaking through his words and activating people's hearts, rewriting their chemistry. Got one more thing to say about this and we'll move on. They have done studies about how to end uh, specifically heroin addiction. And one of the only things that will end heroin addiction, because it's so encoded in the brain chemistry of these poor people, is a religious conversion, an encounter with the divine. They don't know how to say it. Jesus is the only way, right? That's incredible. All of this is to say there is so much hope this season for you, where you're at. Create a new pathway for God to enter your life. He has been knocking at the door. And just because you've encountered him before doesn't mean there isn't so much more. Okay. In verse 5 it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the hope. This is the light. Did you know that the glory of God was revealed on Christmas Day? And like eight people saw it. The glory of God was revealed and like eight people noticed. I guess they didn't prepare the way. Now, I'm being a little silly here, right? I think God, in his grand purpose, knew what he was doing. And there were a lot more people who got to encounter Jesus in his ministry. And uh, there was a reason why the angels showed up to those shepherds and not to the entire countryside, right? But I am saying, when the glory of God is revealed, don't pretend like you can't possibly miss it. You could. Now, our God is faithful And he will complete the work he's completing with you. Every one of us has the confidence that we will see Christ in all of his goodness. But guess what? There are opportunities every day, every week, every month to see the glory of God. Prepare the way that you might be one of those who hears and rejoices to see the glory of God. I've got one more example uh, to help us understand how this is. You know, children can teach us a heck of a lot, and I remember being a child, so I'm trying to learn from myself back then. I was a complicated being. No, I wasn't. I had a couple of desires, right? And mainly it was rebellion. Mainly it was I wanted my own way. And so that led to a complicated relationship with my father, as it often does, where 
I would have a day at home and my dad would be coming home from work. And on any given day, it could be one of these two extremes. One, the world was ending when dad came home. (laughs) Completely dependent on my behavior. I was, uh, you know, let's say I had a note home from school or I'd been rebellious or I had ruined a $500 camera or I had done, you know, beat up my little sister. Whatever the things were that I struggled with as a child, when dad came home, there was a sense of anticipation that was not pleasant. Then there's the flip side. I had a great day. And when I had a great day, I didn't think about, oh, my dad's going to come home and recognize how good I was that day. What I thought about was, I want to spend time with my father, and I'm excited to see him. I see this in my own kids. I come home and Reese is like, Daddy, 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 he's so excited. But I'm contrasting this. It's like when I was a kid and my life was full of the sin that kids struggle with naturally, I didn't want my dad to come home. But when I had an okay day, I'm sure I messed up plenty. I was stoked that my dad was coming home. We are human. We have these titanic struggles within us between light and dark, good and evil. If you prepare your hearts this season, we can love the fact that Jesus is coming. Because it's not just about Christmas. We are still anticipating that Jesus himself will show up like in a real historical event and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We are looking forward to that day. So prepare your heart so you can live in that anticipation, that hope, that joy. There's two more weeks till Christmas. Hallelujah. Right? We're going to end with the collect this morning that summarizes everything we've talked about. It says, merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way of our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen? Amen. We'll continue with the witness of our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father, And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. 
and I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us bring our needs and the needs of the whole world before God, who shows kindness to all who fear him. That the church will take seriously the call to be ready for the Lord's coming again. Lord, in your mercy, that nations will establish laws respecting the basic human rights of all persons, especially the unborn, the elderly, and the disabled. Lord, in your mercy, that those who live daily with anger and discouragement will find God's peace and purpose for their lives. Lord, in your mercy, that God's people will earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that they will be poured out in abundance upon his church. Lord, in your mercy, that we will have eyes to see God's image in every human being, especially the poor, the imprisoned, and the marginalized. Lord, in your mercy, that we will make every effort to be at peace with all men, as it is in our power to do so. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy. God of justice and peace, the prophets challenge us to live lives holy and pleasing to you. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to be always ready for your son's victorious return. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace, Lord, be always with you. Turn, greet your neighbor with the peace of God. Spirit. So a couple of quick announcements. Just want to remind everybody, uh, well, no, I want to remind those uh, young people, catechism tonight, five o'clock. Um, for those of you who are able on the 21st of December, the school is having their concert in the morning. So if you can, you'll want to be there. And um, we talked when Betty came and lit the candle about the Christmas ball coming up. Today is the day you need to sign up for that. That will be uh, the social event of the season, and you will not want to miss it. So make sure you sign up for that today. Oh, also, uh, next Sunday, we do our annual Vikings food and gift, holiday food and gift distribution and I need a few volunteers to go with me up to Newport Beach. I would love to have you. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a huge, it's such an amazing organization how they put that together. Uh, but uh, please come if you'd like to. Uh, we'll be leaving here at 730. You can contact me after the service and let me know if you're able to attend. We will be uh, distributing as many of those boxes 
as soon as church is over next week from about 12 to 12.45-ish. So, love to have you. I want to also encourage anyone who is able to be here tomorrow for the food ministry distribution. Christmas season is a great opportunity for you to wander out in the wilderness and serve others. Uh, Make yourself able to hear better what God is saying to you. And there's a lot of need out there for people. The the food ministry that we have at St. Michael's has grown and grown with the number of people that are, especially at this time, looking for special assistance. So if you're able at all, uh, we need you to be there tomorrow, starting at 3, 3.30. Amen. Amen. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and make good your vows to the Most High. Ascribe to the Lord the honor due his name, bring offerings and come into his courts. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Darkness will bring, and I'll keep on.
this week, uh, Father David Black from Winnipeg, who uh, went to be with the Lord, and so I'm going to hold this Eucharist up for him. He was a tremendous man of God, great priest, very, very young age, uh, was uh, brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, served God his whole life, married a girl from Bible college, and they had a tremendous ministry in Phoenix, and then he eventually uh, went home to his home town in Winnipeg, where he uh, had a church up there and ministered to many, many people. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty, our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the desire that you formed long ago and opened for us the way of eternal salvation. That when he comes again in glory and majesty and all at its last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare tow. So with all angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the host and power of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory. Oh 
Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins whenever you drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and all of our bishops and clergy. Remember those who were sick and firm in spirit, soul, and body. We hold up this day Susan and Naomi and Sonia and Sandra and Karen and Tammy, Patrick, the house family, Michael and Sean and Tyler and Ed, the Campbell family, Soledad, Bob, Jermaine, Ryan, the Black family, Sandy Clinch, we hold up our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all those serving in our armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you made us worthy to share eternal life with Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who come before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon 
Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God.
presence with you. His presence is with us. <laughs> it's just, he's continually and completely with us and present and participating. And a lot of times we just don't get it. And, and so what a wonderful uh, week we'll have if we just continually, as often as you can think about it, just think about him and his presence with you. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. The Lord be with you. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Of the goodness of God. Oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness.